The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. This podcast is a TOEFOP production. Head to TOEFOP.com for more. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm uh, Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. Will, a bit of magpie news straight off the bat. It's mm. become a hot topic. <laughs> like, mm. Really? Who would have thought? It's one of those, Who would have thought on this show a small little story would become weeks' worth of content? But it's really, um, it's really gotten the listeners going. So I had a lot of people write in with uh, magpie-related content. Uh, this is from Sarah. Hi, guys. I'm in the middle of Ikea listening to your recent episode. And if I don't respond now, I'll forget because I've got an ADHD brain. You're talking about Charlie's magpie issues and I can empathize. I've been swooped and hit in the head three times. One was within, one was, was twice within 30 seconds. That was on Brown Cardigan for sure. (laughs) The lady who got hit twice in 30 seconds and they would have like overlaid some kind of like, you know, Mike Tyson fight sound effect or something like that is the magpie game. Ding, 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 ding. Are we suggesting it's like there's a second shooter? Like, is this a second? This is a second magpie, or is she going to explain it's a, whether it's a, no? I think it, no. She's just saying, oh, I don't know. Actually, I've been swooped a lot in the head, hit three times, twice within the thirty seconds. Because twice within thirty seconds, I would consider if it's the same magpie, you can't count as a separate incident. That's just part of like the same attack, right? I'm no or, 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 ornithologist. <laughs> So what is it? (laughs) I'm no horny. It's easy for you to say. You're no hornythologist. I'm no hornythologist. (laughs) Um, But the the magpies don't swoop. There's not. There's only one swooper. I imagine if they've been territorial with you, they're also been territorial with other maggies. So it could only be there. Can be only one. It's the Highlander principle. Well, okay. So all right. So she was just swooped, hit in the head twice by the same magpie. I mean, he already had his conf- already had his confidence up at that point, didn't he? He's already got you once. He's come in thirty seconds later for another swoop. Yeah, I think I got hit twice the other day. Like now that they've 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 ramped up their aggression, it's escalated. It's gone from mm. intimidation techniques to actual yeah. beak. Beak striking against mm. my helmet. And there was definitely more than one hit. I think I may have yeah. got three times. So, you know, you're not impressing mm. anyone, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> She's got some quick facts about Maggie's that might help. Okay, great. Oh, good. It's finally good to bring some facts to the table after eight weeks of conversation around this topic. Yeah. It's good to finally get some facts. Uh, what percentage of magpies do you believe swoop, if you have to guess? Oh, Interesting. Um, well, it would have to do with them protecting like a nest. That's what we've decided that they're protecting. Yeah. So it's what percentage of magpies swoop. like are in a relationship or what percentage are, you I know, reckon, just living that 
looking at this in your life where they don't care about swimming. I would suggest the same percentage yeah. of uh, in in human society would be anti-vaxxers. That's my okay. that's my clue to you. So about two uh, percent. Okay, maybe there's more anti-vaxxers. More more where we live, Northern <laughs> Rivers anti-vaxxers. Oh, sorry, ninety-five percent, ten percent of magpies swoop. So that's good to know. That it's not all magpies are pricks. Mm. It's just not all, hashtag not all magpies. Not all magpies. I've always said it's just it. A, it's yeah. just a few bad apples. Just a few bad mm-hmm. bad maples. Exactly. In the in the in the bunch. Okay. Um, oh, every swooping magpies are male. Yes, we know that, Sarah. We uh, I believe mm. we were the ones who mm. told you guys that uh, magpies yeah. are male. FFS. FFS. <laughs> no one's mum is swooping you, um, but their territorial dad is. Right. Number three, okay. do not attempt to kill the magpie. Why, Will? Um, because they will hunt you down and kill you, John Wick style. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were joking, but that's actually correct. Don't attempt to kill yeah. the magpie because it might put a target really? in the back. Mm. Yeah, okay. that's cool, man. It's like I love how this this premise is. It's like a Liam Neeson yeah. film. Is you don't steal a magpie's yeah. daughter. Like I got a phone call, yeah. Will, and it was just a lot squawking, of squ- squawking. But you but did make out said, particular yeah, set of skills. That was the one thing that you could yeah, identify. Exactly. <laughs> don't attempt yeah. to kill the magpie. It might put a target mm. on your back. They recognize faces and they memorize them. Particularly famous yeah. faces, Will. That's maybe or why. Or recognise your face. Big Home and well, Away fan. Well, maybe they watched Home and Away through a window or something once and they're confusing yeah. you with somebody who's been imprint. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, they recognised your face and they're like, well, if I recognise the face, there's probably some motherfucker who's tried to get near my nest. So I'm going to yeah. fuck this guy up. But he didn't realise that he just recognised your face from Home and Away. Oh, yeah, but he also recognised because he wasn't happy with the way Zach treated Leah when he left the bay. <laughs> he was like, how could you break her heart? <laughs> you son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's been <laughs> hanging on to that. Just real mad about it. Maggie's will repartner quickly after their mate's death. Oh, mate, fucking hell. No love in the bloody magpie world. Mm. And I've seen claims they'll teach their new mate which humans are dangerous, a.k.a. who killed the last guy. Don't have time to source them now. There is a, there are, I've got Swedish things to find. Okay, I mean, I don't know if that's true, but if it is, that's pretty amazing. The idea that magpies are like, you know, that's the motherfucker who killed your, killed your mum. No, not no, not your mum. It's it's the my last husband. Oh yeah, sorry, my last husband. That's right. Yeah, my last no. husband was murdered. Well, no, <laughs> it, it was the, like it was the wife, or is it the? Oh, hang on, who's been murdered in this yeah. scenario? Is well, it the male magpie swoops? So yeah. the male magpie's been killed. All right, so he's been the killed. Female like, yes. magpie ID'd. Yeah. She saw it happen from the nest. She mm. saw it, and so now new mm. Maggie's on the scene. Right, you know, she met him at a bar. Had a few drinks. Got loosey goosey. Mm. Ended up back at the nest. Mm. The kids were asleep, which is actually really fucked up for a magpie to get loosey goosey. <laughs> It's actually the whole cross-species no, 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 no. thing. No, no, he was the guy having the party. The goose was having the party. They got a bit loosey-goosey. Oh, okay. Oh, loosey-goosey. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, he's Good great guy. guy. Mate, Fun to party great, with. great pills. Mate. Get stuck in his throat. Yeah. To eat them like that. Yeah. Absolutely on a Tuesday, I will say, though, keep away from his house. He is a depressive motherfucker. Um, so, yeah, so the female magpies worded up in you, mate, to say, hey, watch out for that dude from home and away. Here is exactly what he okay. looks like. And they describe- mm. The most handsome man. All right. You're a female magpie. Describe me to your mate. Like, but not in, you can't, you've got to use basic terms. So what are you saying? Like, how does a magpie describe this face to another magpie? Um, Okay. Um, So just like, what's your helmet look like? 
black? Just like a black, like like cyclist helmet? Yeah. Or is like, it like yeah. a skateboarding helmet or something like a bit more like that? No, 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 no. Like like a lightweight foam helmet with the. Oh yeah. Okay. Like so like yeah. Okay. Cyclist. All right. So um, so you got to say something like uh, that a bird would understand. All right. Like okay. So um, he looks a bit like somebody, like. It got the bottom of their egg dirty. So the bottom of his face is like the bottom of a dirty egg. So if you can imagine that, like a stained, dirty, shitty egg face. Hey. And, and then, I can, I'm just down there going, oh, I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. Look at that. Look at that squishy, dirty, shitty egg face, the way it squishes with, up when he gets upset. With some sort of discarded bottle cap on his head. So it's an egg with a discarded bottle cap on his head. Um no, I mean, your face is – like I think if a bird was describing your face to other birds, they would probably say – Square head. Square head, like more square than usual head. <laughs> um, not an entire box. Don't look for like a box head, but it is like just – A rounded edges yeah. box. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's right. Like a, so, like somebody's had to make one of those. Remember there was like a Rubik's Cube and there was a Rubik's Snake? No. Like – Oh, it, so it was like essentially an like it was like the Rubik's cube cube puzzle, but puzzle, but it was like a like a long sort of yeah. Okay. So you would have to do it like, and it would like form different shapes of the snake. Yeah, I'm typing. And it um, yeah, so like your head looks like somebody tried to make a face out of a Rubik's snake. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's almost like yeah. early CGI, like when it was all mm. polygons <laughs> and you know stuff like that. Like just everything was like. Square-ish, like you know what I look like. I look like the removalist oh. in uh, Money for Nothing, the um, the <laughs> Die Straight song. You know when it's like really cheap computer animation. You know what I did last night. This is like <laughs> such a anyway. This is not last night when we're actually like when you're hearing yeah. this episode, but last night when we're recording this episode, it was um, the preliminary final in the AFL. Uh, mm. When I, and I had like I didn't realize the game started a little bit later than it usually does, so. I needed to fill in about like 10 minutes. So like, you know, YouTube is your perfect place to go for 10 minutes of fill in. Yeah. And I watched two things. Firstly, I watched Weird Al Yankovic's parody of Money for Nothing by Dire Straits, ah, weirdly enough. I've never even heard that. Yeah. Well, do you? Yeah. Okay. So you've never heard it. You don't know what the, the parody no. was. So he recreates the film clip. Yeah. But it's about the Beverly Hillbillies. So he tells the story of the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> to money for nothing, and it's like all of Weird Al's stuff, quite good. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's is like it what, the lyrics from the Beverly Hillbillies, basically. Song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, oil that is that. Yeah, that yeah. It does all that. Nothing. Yeah, wow. to money for nothing. It's well worth checking out. And Have then you I seen went the- down to. Trailer for the Weird Al thing? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. 100%. I went through a, I went down a Weird, Weird Al little rabbit hole last night where I ended up <laughs> okay. watching a lot of Weird Al Yankovic uh, film clips and a few that um, Amish Paradise, Gangster's oh, Paradise, yeah. Amish Paradise. Oh, there's some there's some quality stuff there. But weirdly enough, it also took me to, and I think Weirdly you, enough? Nice. I think you told me about this at the time, but I don't think I'd ever seen it, which was Bill Hader where – He's the deep fakes where Bill Hader's oh, doing the interviews, Arnie? and there's Arnie, but there's an Al Pacino one, yeah. there's a Tom Cruise one, and what they do is, if if people haven't seen these, 
because I've seen deep fakes before and I've seen actors like you know doing deep fakes, but I I didn't realize, I think when you were like telling me about this, that it just does it on his face mid-interview mm. and it is seamless. Mm-hmm. Like suddenly that person is there with the voice and the face and that's like three years ago. What yeah. the fuck can they do now? If Who are you? Are now? you Charlie? <laughs> Were you killed by a magpie and they've replaced you with a deep fake Charlie? Yeah, no, that shit is insane. And it's like, wow. yeah. You're right. Three years ago, who who fucking knows that technology? I mean, even now, I get like um, weird those weird Instagram ads in my feed, and it's like mm. it's always like Keanu Reeves or Tom Cruise. Like I don't know. I guess because they're two of the most photographed men in the world. There's right. heaps of fucking reference photos, but it's always like them doing some menial activity, like like doing the dishes or riding the bikes. Because I guess it's some computer nerd at home. Uh-huh. Doesn't have a budget. He's just got his brother to ride a, his BMX in the backyard, and then yeah. they put Keanu's head on. <laughs> I mean, it is scary, though. It is scary, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you look at what's happening in the states at the moment, and just like how fucking insane the political stunts are getting, and you know, this, this like how long before a Newsmax or whatever just releases a. A, a deep fake, maybe un- unwittingly, where you know it's Joe Biden saying, "I'm going to cut open and eat the entrails of every uh, MAGA voter," and they think it's real, and then someone dies. Yeah, <laughs> like that's soon, right? Or the opposite way, where like you know, it's now at the point of plausible deniability, where you can go, "That was not me. That, that was clearly me. a deep fake." Oh yes, yeah. So it's the Shaggy principle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Sarah finishes up by saying um, there's a magpie alert map, which is really useful. It does a, it relies on people self-reporting uh-huh. and includes Vendrica. Yeah, I've been sent that. There is a magpie app you can choose. How about this? Lismore plainclothes cops shot a magpie in the middle of a weekday in the sh- at the shops a few years ago and injured an old lady and caused a bit of a stir. <laughs> can you mm. imagine the justification in Australia, like, you know, we were just talking about America. Mm. You could imagine this happens all the time. But in Australia, for a plainclothes officer mm. to draw his firearm. Do you think they were undercover? Like, were they staking <laughs> out the magpies? Just riding back and forth. <laughs> this was like, like a sting. They got their rookies to just put on yeah. their stack hat and go up and down the mall. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, Constable. Here's your stack hat now. <laughs> but we talked, like, you know, in the very beginning about, like, what yeah. is reasonable force? Like, what am I? Yeah. I and I was talking golf club or tennis racket. Mm. This cop has just gone straight straight up execution style. <laughs> just well, like, he's got a gun, man. But is that justified? Is that like a justified life in danger? Has I know that people can have accidents related to a magpie attack, but they're not lethal attacks. Like if it was a rabid dog, sure, okay, you know. If it was one of those land sharks, if it was a sharknado yeah. that had blown because Lizard wasn't near the water, if the sharks had been blown in somehow, yeah, sure, draw your firearm. But a magpie, I mean, come on. I mean- Look, you'd have to think that- You couldn't have tased it first? <laughs> um, all right. I've, I, you know what? Um, blokes with guns kill magpie at Lismore Shopping Centre. Um, oh, you found it. Uh, okay, here we go. So the magpie was at the Wairala Shopping Centre, Wairala Road Shopping Centre in East Lismore, and it swooped one local resident too many. Two plainclothes police came along and shot it- Tuesday lunchtime. So, the, so the magpie was already it was swooping local residents, and the plainclothes police have come along and shot it on their lunch break. But that 
That seems extreme. <laughs> Would you imagine like you don't hear gunshots in Australia very often. If you found out it was because there was a swooping magpie and it was in it like this is a busy part of Lismore. It's not like it's a country road. Like it's a shopping centre. There's a mall and stuff like pedestrians, people on their lunch breaks. Uh, the New South Wales Police Force Handbook has a whole section on destroying magpies, which instructs police oh. to use a shotgun. Oh, okay. So he didn't pull out his handgun. He went down with a special, like, a shoddy? I mean, that's going to absolutely decimate the magpie. Uh, local mes- residents, though, uh, uh, were very angry about it. Um, uh, the Facebook page. You know, this is why that, you know, that rap band MWA, uh, <laughs> they formed after this because they were so upset with their treatment hands of police. Like Magpies with Attitude, you haven't heard that song? <laughs> Fuck the no, police. I remember. Sweep the Police. That was their song, right? Wasn't it? Um, yeah. So, uh, all right. <laughs> so, uh, follow up to the East Lismore Magpie shooting yesterday. I just spoke to one of the attendants from Spa. That's the local um, uh, the local shops there, the supermarket. She said she was pretty scared. Two guys with a shotgun, so it was a, they did use the shotgun, and no police ID walking around and shooting. Yeah, well, I guess if they didn't identify themselves as the police yeah. and they just started <laughs> shooting a shotgun at magpies, there was like, um, oh, how's this is the, the, the final comment? There is a lone magpie there now. It ignored me as I walked past. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking learned your lesson, <laughs> yeah, didn't you, well, Magpie? You kill one, you teach yeah, the rest. And it's not like that Magpie didn't recognise you. As we know, they have a great memory for faces. That thing was fucking shitting itself. Oh, my God. You know, Will, um, I, I've always – I've one bit of advice. If you ever um, um, hear a shotgun ring out like a bell, <laughs> just grab your nine because <laughs> all you'll hear is shells. You'll fall to the concrete real fast, but just jump in your car and slam on the gas. <laughs> Um, oh, how's this? One local spoke out against the magpie in question, writing, <laughs> <laughs> The dead magpie started his attacks at the beginning of August, pursuing me from Avondale Avenue all the way to the spa. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is like this is doesn't sound like a witness statement. This sounds like a prepared I, statement. Like this has been vetted by a pub- I have publicist. The long way, and still been attacked. <laughs> <laughs> well into December, the last two years, cut ears and cheeks are unpleasant, but reports of permanent eye damage might encourage some balance on this issue. Well, there you go. Wow. Was that a letter to the paper? That sounds like a letter to the local paper. I believe that was to the Facebook group that where everybody else was like saying it was a disgrace that uh, the magpie had been killed. But this person- Always back to blue, mate. Always back to blue. Yeah. This person was, uh, um, uh, according to the Facebook page, the bird had previously swooped other Lismore residents but was quiet and lovely most of the time. Well, that's what they always say when they find a serial killer. The neighbors yeah, are always yeah. like, but he was just a nice guy. So, yeah, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't free the magpie. No. <laughs> okay, that's not going to get him out. I mean, no. but it does send a message to other magpies, doesn't it? Like, if, if magpies have such a good memory, I mean, they're not going to trust the cops. That's the problem, though. That's the other thing. Is like when there actually is a legitimate like issue, the, the magpies aren't going to pick up the phone. They're going to be too scared to call the cops. 
Um, but it does make them pull them into line a bit, doesn't it? Because now suddenly they're like, we can't swoop those weird pink things that walk on two legs because they have a thunder gun, the thunder stick. You saw what we did with Gerald. It was terrible. I mean, you have to, you do have to keep one alive to report back to the others, right? Yeah. So what you've got to do if you're a cop in that situation is you've got to murder the magpie in front of the other magpie. Kill one, knowing, educate a thousand. Yeah, exactly. And like knowing that they'll remember your face too. Yeah. Like, you know, take off your glasses, yeah. stare them in the eye. You go, good look at this. Yeah. And then just put a bullet into your friend. You tell everybody about that. <laughs> but then now all you've done is you've just created a generation of like mm. magpie terrorists who are like, fucking hell, man, like- they came into Resident our authority. territory. Don't trust the police. Don't trust the police. They came, and they came in. This yeah. is our territory too. You've taken yeah. our area from us and you've killed mm. with impunity. Fuck that, man. I think you're just going to see a rash of kind of like guerrilla tactics. No uh, no offense to the, the guerrillas. <laughs> I mean, they're not, not literal guerrillas. It's only 10% of magpies. Let's remember. This is a yep. – like let's not judge all magpies by the behavior of a smaller yeah, amount not a monolith. of magpie extremists, right? Like it's unfair for us to look at the worst Will, behavior. I just want that, to hear yeah. a magpie spokesman yeah. come a out non-sweeping magpie and explain and apologize. Say that they are also against this. I want to hear from other magpies <laughs> also speaking out against the actions of these swooping magpies. Will, violence yeah. is inherent to magpies' oh, culture. I think that's what it is, I mean, right? It, well, how it, do you explain? It is, it is taught how to do them. you explain that? 90% of them who don't swoop then, who just go about their daily business. Oh, because, I mean, look, well, look, Will, the 10% is what we have yeah. to worry about. Right. And it should, like, there's no equivalent. I mean, we're not going around swooping magpies, are we? You know, even our 10% aren't swooping the magpies. Well, actually, like, I mean, I'm sure people are hitting magpies with their cars and definitely one of them was shot by a cop in plain sight <laughs> in public at lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> and we have had reports of a man cycling around the Northern <laughs> Rivers with a golf club and or tennis racket. Yeah, gonna, you know what? Before we actually weigh in on this, we are going to need to check about 20,000 hours of brown cardigan footage. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, While we're on MacPrize, and we will get to the Forgotten Project, yes. I promise. Um, this is uh, from Barbara who says, Hi, boys. I laugh myself silly listening to Charlie's problems with MacPrize. He has the right idea with the snake. Um, use as much noise as possible is the go, but with magpies, you have to be their friend. Take a bit, take a bit of mince out as food oh, yeah. for the swooper, and occasionally they will leave you alone. <laughs> ah, so that's something we've that that is the third act appeasement of every superhero team up. We started off enemies. But then we become mates and we fight. Uh, like well, hang on, I'm not sure that that's – you've skipped ahead there to the idea that you would become mates and then team up against others. No, this is just this is just appeasement. This is Australia buying like $100 billion worth of American submarines so mm -hmm. that when China invades, the Americans will come and help us out. Like this is you going down and bribing off your bully at this point. Like leave some mints out. And occasionally, not even re not even every time, this is guaranteed to work. Occasionally, they won't swoop you if you put a little mince on the ground. So you think I'm cucking myself. I might as well just like yeah, present. Absolutely. I might as well just walk out mm. to that 200 stretch of country road, oh. just drop my pants, yeah. bend over, <laughs> kneel on the ground, bend over and say, Sarah, I apologize. Do what you will, sir. Mince my meat. <laughs> That's what you should say to those magpies. Definitely on brown cardigan. 
They drive. The tradies drive past and see some dude with his pants around, <laughs> screaming. Even, even they're like, "This is too much." No, no one will believe this. Uh, myself, I am a water boy for our mob of Maggies, filling up their bird bath and other water supplies regularly. Barbara, you've been like the Maggies have got you wrapped around their talons. They have subjugated yeah, you. You bring in a mint. Exactly. They're taking advantage of you. Currently, our magpies are at war with a couple of crows over a local tree. And let me tell you, my money is on those maggies. I see what's going on here. You're siding with the the bullies because you know they're going to win the playground fight. This is Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Also, like you know. um, as for the cockatoo problem, oh yeah, you might remember a few weeks ago, my sister's uh, house mm. got attacked by cockatoos. We were recently at a winery, and the conversation turned to why there were so many netted vines in the area, but none at this particular winery. And the reply was as follows: mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about cockies. I just go out when they start to come around, get out the rifle, and shoot a couple. Then I hang them up on a pole. That gets mm-hmm. rid of them. <laughs> That's like your Game of Thrones. String them from the from from the bridge, yeah. Heads on, Head, pikes. Heads on pikes, sort of like uh, he was an old fashioned farmer after all. Yeah, look, I think that's what we're learning is in the country you do things a little different when it comes to animals. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit different. Um, well, I wanted to ask you. Well, but I do love that. I do love the idea that everybody else in the area is like, we're going to have to get nets. We'll have to put nets over all that, like to prevent them coming down. And one farmer's like, two of them, a couple of spikes. That's all you need. The fuck off. Um, I want to ask you, uh, I, I did a, yes. uh, a, live event, a live event a little while back. And um, uh, mm. I have not done live MC work before. And even when I've done like live theater or even live comedy, it's generally, you know, mm. I'm with you or I'm in a group of people. And so it's like never really. So this was sure. uncharted territory for me. And um, I wasn't MCing my own. There was a uh, uh, Alicia Loxley, who's a, a newsreader. She was she was the other host. And so. And so did you guys have like, yeah, was it like a banter situation or did you have separated roles? A little, no, more like. More like I was in one area and she's okay. in another area, and we just like throw to each other. And then, as we, because it was a, a the St Kilda Best and Fairest, then we would, would then end of the night we'd get up and we would did the, the count together. But um, they sent me this script for the whole night, like there was a script for the entire thing, right? And obviously, um, there's some more improvised kind of casual stuff. Like we wanted to chat to this player and this player. Here are some general questions you can ask. And then there was the- This is why, say this, how you've got to, yeah, we, you know, yeah, you can't just wing this. You just got to yeah, say this, how, how it's written. written. Like yeah. the ads we get when we when we occasionally get ads for Tofop, say it like yeah. this. And there'll be a highlighted bit going yeah. just like, you can have your bloody nonsense at the start and the end, but you need to say this, but this is important. So the very opening of the night is- um, you know, Alicia went out to the podium and, and she sort of thanked some of the sponsors and stuff and welcomed the, you know, CEO and his partner and blah, 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 blah. And then she throws to the lobby where I am. It's outside the Palladium mm-hmm. in the Crown Casino. And I'm in the lobby and there's like um, uh, there's like uh, uh, the silent auction. Now, hang on. Before we get yeah. to before we get to this, how, how are you billed ah. for the night? Like, you know, because she's well, a newsreader. That, that, so it, pretty that, that, easy. So how are that you will billed? Count. We'll get to that. that, that, that that's we'll part get to of the that? Story. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> and I don't want to. And so uh, 
<laughs> I won't talk about the night too much because uh, we talked about it on two guys okay. one cup. So if you want to hear about more about you know the actual best in Ferris itself, mm. you can go back to the uh, second or third last two guys one cup where we talk about it. But this particular moment, I wanted to get your opinion on. So, um, so they send me the script, and my stuff is mainly like the light comic relief, chatting to players, you know, light and funny, blah blah blah. But then the very first section is. I have to just it, it's it's I have to let people know about the raffle and the silent auction and this that and the other and the specific things I have to say because you know this uh, raffle is brought to us by our friends at blah blah blah. So I'm an actor and I'm like okay well I will just memorize that mm-hmm. commit it to memory and you know it's like mm-hmm. memorizing monologue it's big it's a full page of kind of but you know I commit it to memory mm-hmm. and then um, uh, 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 all I have to do is that and then I throw it back to Alicia and you know and she carries on for the next like half an hour or so before my next thing. So I was learning this chunk of dialogue and it's like, it's, I've never really done anything like this. Like I'm just going to, it's going to be me and a microphone and a camera, you know, plus there's like 900 people in this room. And so yeah. as I was getting closer to the night, I'm like, oh, I'm actually feeling a bit like nervous about this because it's just out of my wheelhouse, but I've got this script memorized yeah. and stuff. And, and so I started sort of like massaging the words and, you know, making a bit more my own voice and stuff. And I still really comfortable with it. So um, I get to the palladium, I get shown where my green room is. I'm, I'm getting ready. Um, I knock on my door. We, okay, we're ready in about 20 minutes. We're just going to start you in the foyer. Um, so you've got your floor manager here, you get your cameraman here, and when they get to you, floor manager will just point and you, you know. So I'm like, cool, cool, cool. So I've gone out and I've got my script in my hand, but, you know, I'm not planning on using it. It's just a, it's kind of like a, a guide for the night. So I'm holding it down yeah. there and I've got the microphone and – they get to about like five minutes to go and I'm starting to feel really nervous now. I'm like, oh shit, like it's a lot of people in there, like a lot of people. And mm-hmm. my brother and sister, I had a couple of spare tickets to so say they came along and, you know, it's like, okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Oh. And then um, I can hear Alicia talking and I'm like, then my brain starts, I hear this little dialogue inside where it's like, no one here really knows who you are. Like, this is going to be weird. Like, you know, like no one listens to two guys, one cup. And I mean, people do listen to the show, but no one in that room, no one in that room listens yeah. to the show. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be awkward. So that start, doubt start creeping around in my mind. And then the, the, the floor manager looks at me and he's like, okay, like three minutes. Oh, no, he's gone two minutes. And I'm like, yeah, cool. And then I've gone, okay, so what's the first thing I say? And I completely, I could not think of it. And then like oh. my chest started to get real tight. And my hands went really numb and I'm like, what the fuck? Like I've memorized this. And I'm like, and I could not think of it. And then it became this like vicious circle where the more I couldn't think about it, the more I started to panic. And the more I panicked, the more I couldn't fucking remember what it was. And then the floor manager's like, okay, uh, 60 seconds. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, I'm starting to have, like, I can't breathe. And my mouth has gone completely dry. And I've got the microphone in my hand and I'm like, I can't even grip the microphone because my hands have gone numb. I'm like, I can't even, I'm trying to make a fist. On the, and I'm like, I'm having a panic. I think I'm having a panic attack. And so it's like, yeah, a, it's, it's really, like it. really building. And I'm thinking in my head like, uh, oh, you've got the script in your hand. Just fucking, just look at the script and re- remind yourself. And so I'm looking at the script and it was like, I was looking at the words and they might as well have been written in like Swahili because I'm just like. Oh yeah, no, no. Well, you were, yeah, you, you were having a panic attack. They, they should have got you a doctor. Like literally, they, there was a, probably a medical <laughs> professional in the room next door. In fact, probably a heap of them in there who could have really. Well, pre- yeah, he presented one of the awards. I had to introduce him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I was like, oh my God. And so then the, he's like 30 seconds yeah. and I'm like. This is going to be the most humiliating thing yeah. in and the it's, world. And, and it's so something you my- care about. Like corporate events are hard yeah. at the best of times, but this is something you care about. You you care about – I mean, maybe 
it would have been exactly what you needed. Maybe it could have been so terribly embarrassing that you decided that you couldn't even support the club anymore, that you had to have a clean break <laughs> oh, and start God. fresh at another club. It might have actually been – like there might have been an upside to it. Well, it was it was this thing of like – like the only the, – the, the most equivalent feeling I can recall is when Gemma and I went skydiving and mm-hmm. I saw Gemma drop out of the plane with her diver and then they started edging me towards the edge of the plane. And I remember thinking like – I shouldn't be here. Like I shouldn't be here. This is look. The ground is so far away, and my body, like everything in my body, was like, "Don't go out! Don't go out!" Like in like a full, full panic mode. So, in my head, I'm like, "How do I exit this um, with dignity?" I'm like, "I'll just go up to the floor manager, and I'll just stand in the microphone, and I'll just say to him, i 'I'm really sorry. I just, I, I can't do this.' And I'll just like exit, it and I'll just go straight to the green room, and I'll just get my stuff, and I'll just fucking leave. I won't talk to anyone. I mean, don't get your stuff. Just walk straight out. Just walk straight out of the club. Just. And so then I can hear my intro and she's like, and outside we have a very Mm. special guest. Uh, You might know him from Blue Healers, McLeod's Daughters, you know, and she starts reeling off the TV shows. And I am Mm. like, like dying. (laughs) Like it feels like I just can't feel anything. (laughs) And then um, the floor manager points to me and I just whack on a smile and muscle memory spit out that first paragraph you know, yeah. welcome everyone tonight. It's going to be a great night. We've got some fabulous prizes, blah, blah, blah. And then um, I noticed the cameraman pan off me to, because I was like, and so uh, you can buy a ticket in the raffle. So he's showing all the prizes on offer. And I whip yeah. the script up and then I just start fucking like speed reading, like peripherally mm-hmm. looking outside of my eye, making sure the camera's on me. And I just speed read, like I must have gone like Eminem doing rap God, just like, these are all the things you have to get. And then when the camera came back, put the script back down, back to you, Alicia, and got through it and they'd gone cut. And I was just like, <gasps> like it was like I had been like waterboarded or something. It had been like torture for, for two minutes straight, like abject fear. And I was like, I kind of went back to my green room, like really rattled because this has never happened to me before. Mm. And then I had like 40 minutes before my next bit and I was actually feeling Okay, like the adrenaline had passed and I didn't feel too scared. And I went out and spoke to my my brother and sister and I was like, oh my God, like, how was I? Did I look? And they're like, fine. No, you look good. No, you look completely normal. (laughs) But my perception of myself was absolute fucking like that my eyes would have been like this, like just sheer fucking terror. And then it was like after I had broken that, then the rest of the night was a complete fucking breeze, like an absolute smooth sailing. So what I want to know is A, has it ever happened to you? And B, um, what is the way of dealing with that kind of stage fright? I, I mean, I must have had versions of that, not that not that same scenario. I, like, Here's what I like. I will say. Corporate gigs like are hard at the best of times, like in that there is a lot of stakes and your role, even though it's important to how the night goes, is like down the list of because they have clients in the room or they have coaches or presidents or whatever the you know, situation might be. You're just part of the hired help in the same way as the catering was part of the hired help yeah. and in the same way as the people who put together the video package was part of the hired help. And so like there is an element of they don't give a shit about it anywhere near as much as you give a shit about it. Like, you know, as long as everything works fine, they're fine with it happening but the thing the biggest mistake that you've made is thinking that you needed to memorize it like no one in that circumstance is expecting anyone to memorize anything in fact i've done those gigs where they hand you the script 
five minutes before you're about to walk on stage. They're like, here's the final script, you know, just like go out there and read it basically, you know. Read it. And yeah. So like certainly having it in your hand and referring to it, like nobody would have had any problems with that. That would have been the way. In fact, they're probably like walking around going, that guy was amazing. Did you see that he like didn't really have a script in his hands or anything? I've never seen anything like it. So you probably impressed them for that. But that idea of feeling like you speak really quickly or even speaking really quickly in that moment, um, feeling like you can't remember anything. I've seen people go through it and I've certainly had moments, you know, in my life where like the biggest thing that I like could recommend for that moment is honestly, you you were kind of halfway there. Like it was only because you'd it had never happened to you before. Like the next time it happens, I think you'd be fine because you'd just be like, oh, this is what it is. Like, you know, it probably will never yeah. happen again because of that. But you'd be able to recognize it and just go, oh, okay, this is fine. There's a way of yeah. getting around this and the stakes. I don't think I've, I, I honestly don't think I've ever had a panic attack before. I've had anxiety yeah. attacks, but this was like an actual physical. Yeah, that's my brain absolutely what it, it sounds like. That, well, basically, what you've just <laughs> yeah. described there is at the heart of the only reason that I've been able to monetize my very limited skill set is because <laughs> I don't really have that. Like, you know, the thing that separates right. me from anybody else is probably just that moment, which is, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, I'll do this thing that other people find scary. But you're like, I mean, you've like you said, you've done plenty of those things as well. I just think- it's yeah. it's an unusual environment. You're not there with an audience. You're dislocated from the audience that you're trying to talk to. Um, and, you know, you've probably over – you've memorized something that they've written not even ever considering that somebody would have to memorize it. Like if, you know, if they were considering that yeah. some idiot was going to try to memorize this entire chunk of things, they would have made it less complex. They assumed that you were going to – give it a cursory glance in the cab on the way to the event and then like, you know, refer to your notes as you were doing it. So I think you artificially raised the stakes. The stakes weren't raised, like you weren't suffering from this idea that they thought that you had to do all these things. You had put all those things in there yourself and gone, they're like, this is the club that I like. This is a big night for them. There's all this importance in this moment. I have family and friends here. There's probably like players and coaches and stuff that I want to be able to look in the eye and have that conversation like with. And I know if this goes badly, that will prevent me from being able to have that opportunity. All these sort of things. Are, the thing that I would always say when it comes to like football club things in particular is look at the standard of the people that they let work yeah. in the general <laughs> football media. You're fine. You're absolutely fine. Your worst job is still a pretty good job by the general standard. Well, I mean, that turned out to be the result. Like by the end of the night, people were quite complimentary. And I was like, really? Like I just felt like I was stumbling and bumbling and, and didn't really know. But you're right. I think compared <laughs> to what they used to yeah. and what they'll accept. Yeah. We work in the football industry. 95% of the conversations we have are incomplete <laughs> sentences and words I don't understand. You are, you're like our Adam Spencer. We were blown away by your growth of the English language. Oh, it was so interesting though. Like it was just, but the psychological uh, aspect as well, the idea that yeah. once I broke through that, like like once the adrenaline left my body, it was almost in a way like flushing an engine. It was like my body had to raise all that adrenaline to flush it out because then I was completely relaxed. <laughs> I had a brain ejaculation essentially. Like I just sort of like peaked. And then after that, I like was very, you know, very relaxed, very calm, you know, was able to perform better 
because I'd gotten that sort of like that first moment out of the way. But it was just so, so strange because I, I too have seen people have like, um, like stage fright, panic attacks, things like that on stage. And like, do you remember that? Um, it's sort of a different circumstance. Remember when Ashley Simpson, Jessica Simpson's sister, got caught miming on Saturday Night Live? Have you ever seen the video of that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, they start playing her vocals too early or something like that. And there's this moment where she stays on stage and she tries to kind of like, she does a funny little jig and then she just bolts. Mm. <laughs> and I always mm. wondered in my head, like, oh, what, you know, what, you know, she started off with a funny jig. Like, why didn't she just, I, part of me was like, she could have owned that. Yeah, fucking, I was lip syncing it. Who cares? Mm. But, but you don't know in that moment and it's live yeah. and it's like, you know, this big deal, yeah, and right? She, and like your body goes into that fight, flight or freeze. And it's that thing too of like, you know, it's taken me what, like 15, 20 minutes to describe what that happened, but it was a two minute, 90 second experience. But that's how intense it is that, you know, you're getting all these kind of impulses and your career is going to be over and you're going to be humiliated and that person's never going to talk to you and stuff. And all that is happening like within this really kind of narrow field. So it just got, it is, it is paralyzing, but, um, uh, yeah. Well, I, th- I mean, the closest I've come to that in a professional sense, at the end of 2021, last year? Yeah, I think it was last year. Um, so it had been a, t- t- a grueling year, like, you know, in so many ways, as, as it has been for a whole bunch of people. Um, and But we'd done, like, you know, that whole series of Question Everything without an audience and the show hadn't really ended up being what we'd hoped or imagined it was going to be. And then I'd rolled into, like, a season of Gruen and, like, so it's the final episode of Gruen, and I'd, I'd received some really bad news immediately before the show started. But ordinarily, um, you know, I am able to access just a, like there's a muscle memory aspect of that where you're just like, it's all right, kick in the gear. And I remember doing the show and like I had got, got some feedback. Like it's funny because like not many people noticed, but there was like a doctor online and there was like a um, couple of friends of mine and there was like one review that said that it, like I looked bored, <laughs> like – so there was enough – no, but there was enough people who, like, had noticed that there was something just, like, a little right. bit off about the night, you know, not not that many. And it was, a, I think, a version of a panic yeah. attack. It didn't disable me from being able to do the show, but I remember a few times during the show just really feeling like – like, there's a part of me that normally if, like, the energy is a bit low or if the show needs something or whatever, I'm – like – as I'm hosting the show in my head, I'm also having that conversation of what you need to do now yeah. is like, you know, bring a bit of energy over here or like throw in a joke here or do this sort of thing. And I was having those conversations and then I would try to do those things and they just wouldn't happen. Like I would try, like you can even see it in the show. There's like two or three times where I do kind of like nail a joke or hit a moment and, you know, it's like, and then just it immediately kind of resets to, to what it was. So and what was going on there? So was your brain, could you not cognitively f- f- pick where to go next or was it just because you weren't getting the response that was carrying on to the next? No, thing? it would, no, it was no. Cause when I did it, when I was able to achieve it, it would work. But I just was like, right. it was like putting your foot down on the accelerator, like expecting that your car would move forward and it just wouldn't <laughs> move forward. Like, you know what to do, you know? And oh, then it's so just weird. like, oh, hang on. Why did that not happen? Like I'm, Say like in my head here, I'm going here. Do this now, and then I would go to do that thing, and it wouldn't happen. I, I described it afterwards to my team as like feeling like I was just in quicksand, like you know that I just was like, yeah. and it happened. It was going on the entire time that I was like 
hosting the show. So it didn't stop me from being able to do it. I was still able to sort of, you know, host the show and get through it. But I certainly wasn't able to, like, it was it, it was the only time that I've ever done it where I was like, I actually am not in control here. Like, you know, like <laughs> I am sending signals that, are, like, you know, my body is not respecting the signals that I am sending to it. There are these two, I don't know if they're still doing it, but a few years ago there were these two comedians in America um, who had this prank war, this escalating prank war. You might have seen, a few of them went viral. One was, you know, one of the guys went to a basketball game where they blindfold people and make them take free throws. And so his mate had gone out and convinced the crowd, no matter what he throws, just cheer like he's won. And so when he takes the blindfold, he'll, he'll think he's won like a million dollars, but then, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll tell him he hasn't won anything. So that was, And so it just escalated. And one of the pranks that one of them played on them was he he knew his mate was doing the stand-up gig, so he went out and got to the audience first and was like, whatever my friend says, no reaction. Don't laugh, don't talk, don't even don't even like groan. <laughs> Just give him absolutely yeah, nothing. Nothing. No reactions at all. And so his mate came on and, you know, unwittingly started doing his stand-up act and it's just dead silence. <sighs> and so he's oh – and then he sort of turns on them a bit and there's still nothing. Yeah. And so he cuts his act short by about five minutes. And then his mate, because, you know, at the end of these, each prank, they'll run out and go, hey, it's a prank. And they found him, like, just wandering the street outside the comedy club and like, ah, like prank. And he was broken. Like, it had broken yeah. his brain. He was just like, like, it was it had been such an incredibly upsetting. <laughs> and it's that thing yeah. of, like, he put his foot down the accelerator and the fucking, the car didn't move. And then, like, he hadn't, he had no idea what had gone wrong. And it really, like, for a moment. It's just broken his brain. It, well, well, that would break my brain. The only thing that I would think in that situation is I am involved in a long-running prank war. Hopefully, this is a prank. <laughs> and then I discover afterwards, I, I keep going, yeah, I get it. It's a prank. Okay, prank's <laughs> over. And then I discover at the end that like my friend's at home. This is not a prank. It's just a terrible <laughs> gig. <laughs> Where are the cameras? No, you know, you know what is not a prank. Will is the forgotten project, oh, yeah. <laughs> which okay. every well, week it could we're... be because we mention it, and then I mean it's on brand, I suppose. Uh, let's get to it. Um, yes. So the forgotten project uh, is where Will and I ask people to send in things that we have talked about but never finished, or stuff we promised to talk about or never got to. And in this instance, uh, mail that was sent in that I never read out because yes. I forgot to. Um, this came from uh, a David, who said. Uh, um, I came across your show, Tofop, and I would like to ask if you'd like to have Mr. David Weiss on who uh, to discuss the topic of flat earth. Now, oh. David Weiss is a flat earther. We did mm. talk about him, but we mm. didn't actually watch. There's, I've got a video here. It's a four-minute video in which David pitches why the earth is flat. So oh, I great. thought mm. we could watch. Oh, so we're able to watch it and respond yes. to it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, I mean, it's right. mainly audio, really, but it's, uh, okay. it's on YouTube. Right. So I'm just going to. Bring up my screen. This should work, right. hopefully. Okay. Well, let's see. All right. You got it there? Oh, yeah. I do. Okay, great. Yep. All right. Great. Sorry about that, everyone listening. We have the screen, and I'm just going to take it off mute. So this is David Weiss explaining why the flat earth is real. Okay. You're very uh, left-brained, I think. I'm very right-brained. I want to hear in your own words, what really motivates you to awaken people to flat earth? Yeah. So um, I hate the deception of this world. I hate the, how we are living in the zombie apocalypse. There's people out here that have no idea what's going on. You guys, we're not even- right, Let's just pause for a second. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So firstly, I did not expect that he was going to be the guy who was the expert. So what we're looking at for people who can't see this at home, but it's like a, 
a Zoom panel or whatever. Like, you know, say everybody, yeah, they're all flat earthers and it's all on the screen. And uh, so there's kind of like six, three squares, three squares, and then like one lone one down the bottom. Yeah, it's like Bob Geldof, that guy, a little bit. Yeah, and he's got a picture of like a rounded curvature of like the earth in his background, right? (laughs) Well, you know, maybe maybe they're not all flat earthers. Maybe it's a debate. Who knows? Well, I thought that this guy was going to be I, – I just immediately assumed because his square was like separate to the other ones that he was going to be the expert, not mm. the guy the who looks like – like <laughs> they're not the guy with the backwards Kangol hat, it seems, <laughs> on in the, the bottom cur- corner. So anyway, I was already surprised by who it was. What else, What are your other observations? Well, uh, my other observation – well, the, f- the first thing he said is I'm, I'm tired of the deception – and the zombie apocalypse we're living in, which to me sounds like a bit of a contradiction because uh, I'm pretty sure we are not living through a zombie apocalypse. I mean, he thinks that, like, I assume he thinks that we're all zombies though, right? Like we're brainless. Like, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm just, uh, I'm just going to describe for people. So this is, um, we'll put a link in the episode description. This is uh, from a YouTube video called A Bunch of Podcasters Interested in Talking about flat earth so as we'll describe there's seven zoom windows open and i just wanted to describe um first window is a real incel looking dude with a headset on uh top middle are two guys who look very bro-y as well all like you know caps and and uh uh uh, like uh hoodies and they have a poster behind them which says truth or theory and it's kind of like a Illuminati symbol with a rabbit's head in the middle of it. Then we've got another guy who looks a bit skeptical. Um, he's sitting down there with a microphone on. And then there's another guy, just as the bottom window is a dude in front of a, um, a picture of the earth, there's a guy sitting in his office and he has like an inflatable exercise ball behind him, like a globe behind him. So I'm wondering if that guy's also a skeptic. Because I, I just assume they're all flat earthers, but maybe not. Well, maybe we'll find out when David continues. Even all on the exact same page, but we're awake and aware that there's deceptions in this world. There's people walking around that believe that the government's here to help us. There- there's people walking around who believe the government is here to help us, Charlie. <laughs> I mean, that is, I've got to be honest with you, I'm a slightly sympathetic with him <laughs> on the people's delusion that the government is here to help us. So maybe he is a more sympathetic figure than I thought. Rude. Our kids are screwed. This world is being taken over in such a way. I had a high paying company where I was making good money and I walked away from it this year, right? To do this full time because what's motivating me. I mean, what's your company? Is it like an online Kangol app distribution business? Name name the company. Give us a few more details before you're like, I had a really. I I, I work for a high paying company. I work for bigbucks.com, don't you think? And I am an executive in charge of being paid well at bigbucks.com. But I, I left that for this is there's not going to be a world left for our kids. We're, mm. You know, our thoughts create our world, so they feed us yep. in movies. They're pre-programming us in television shows and movies. Uh-huh. What book were we all forced to read in high school? What? Um, what book? Uh, you uh, guess. Cat, uh, Cat in the Hat. <laughs> no. Um, uh, are you uh, there, God? It's me, read? Margaret. Yeah. Um, the Outsider? Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Um, um, what else was I reading I don't in high school? Know. Um, Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry Finn. 1984 by George Orwell. Uh, we all had to- 1984. Were you forced to read 1984? Uh, 
1984. Read it. Okay. Yeah. We are, George Orwell is rolling over in his grave going, man, I wish I thought of that. That's crazier than my book. <laughs> Do you think that you think that if George Orwell, rather than I mean the, the way you think he's going to go is ah uh, George will be rolling in his grave thinking I can't believe I warned them about this fascistic future and he's like no oh why not I think of that he's dead he's from like him- ages ago like most of- I could have got a. I could have got a got a high paying company to pay me extra bucks for my my, my novel line eighty four. Also, I think that like again, what did George Orwell get wrong? It's still being quoted today. Like he nailed it. It's the premier example that people go to when they're talking about this sort of thing. And you're like, you know what? Could have done with a few punch ups. I bet he's rolling in his grave, George Orwell. But also, George Orwell's like book is like I love the way that he was like we're all made to read it in high school as if I thought it was going to be like, you know, everyone's been brainwashed by George mm. Orwell's 19... But this, that book is a warning against, like, surveillance society and all these sort of things. So the why would they force you to watch something that... It, anyway, I, I, I'm sorry that I'm trying to make sense of this thing that makes no sense. Okay, what's going on right now is worse than 1984, but they're programming oh. us, okay? So what motivates me to do this? I cannot sit back and watch this world be stolen from- Sorry, Will, can you just check out the eyes on the girl in the middle? Like, mm. Just watch her eyes while he's talking. Like, okay. She's either on some real good ecstasy <laughs> or she's feeling it. From us. When it doesn't have to be. We are the that's, many. They are the few. That's what I admire about you. That's what I find inspiring in you. In you. you are motivated by that transformative effect that takes hold of people. We realize everything we've been told might be a fabrication. Hey, dude, while you're transforming things, can you transform that shitty fucking room you're in? <laughs> like get like a lava lamp or something? What's that? Has he got like a Bible quote hanging on the wall behind him? Where is he? I mean, it does seem like some sort of Bible quote, like or some sort of motivational saying, like with his gamer headset. And the woman in the middle, yeah, she's, she's rolling. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah. And... <laughs> What I love is also like he, 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 what he's basically saying is here's what I love about you, like you've got that same thing going on that any bananas person has, <laughs> where they believe in something that is bananas and can't stop talking about this bananas thing. Is that I used to, people used to say, Dave, this is their only only uh, only excuse is Dave, everything can't be a conspiracy. Tell me one thing that's not a conspiracy, and I go, Sully landed the plane on the Hudson River. Remember that. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? That wasn't real either. What? Okay, I got really? nothing. I got nothing. I know. It was a little high. Tom Hanks more. played Sully. Okay? That just annoys me. That he's yeah, so yeah. annoying. And, and what? You, Are you saying it really didn't happen? It didn't happen. Why? Tell me. I, I don't know why. Right? I mean, whole, how do you know it didn't happen? Because I looked how do I know it, it did happen? But. Listen. Stoplookthink.com. It might be there. Stoplookthink.com. If you want your mind blown, you know, it's there's so many. They had back then, they had so many different plane crash hoaxes. Why? I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with getting us ready for the, you know, the, what they're doing now with flights. I mean, we may never, I may never fly again. I'm flying to fly. What? <laughs> like, firstly, Sully did not land the plane. I, I, I'm yeah. starting to suspect that the woman in the middle might be. <laughs> that, that's what it by is. The way. Her eye rolling might have been. Like, she was trying to reject some I got the impression that she yeah. might be like either a skeptic or 
yeah, logic or trolling or something like that because her response to this seems to be that she does not actually believe that Sully did not land the plane on the Hudson. Um, but also I love, like, why throw that in? Like, why throw that in when you're trying to... If everything is a conspiracy, who are we conspiring against? You know what I mean? And if every, but is if everything's a conspiracy, then there are no. That's what I mean. Like who you can you can't conspire against anyone. Yeah. It's kind of like one of those like con artist movies where it's like who's really conning who? You know what I mean? That's Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, it, we've all just conned each other. There was other. no Sully. All right. Wow. This is what this. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we don't need to watch any more of this. Like my my brain starts <laughs> to melt a little bit with this, but it is interesting, isn't it? That the mental gymnastics that someone will go to to believe in something entirely like improbable as opposed to the most logical like what's the what is the explanation for how they faked the sully thing so it was see like, but also you'd have to have, what you what a like you'd have to go to so much effort <laughs> you'd have to have a reason to do yeah. it and then why like, make you know, a movie you about it point- bring attention to this con right. you tried to pull off like I mean, we're being programmed, Will. Clearly, we are part of the Illuminati programming our audience. Um, I guess so. Well, let's wrap it up there. Um, There'll be more of The Forgotten Project uh, coming up next week. If there's something that you want us to talk about, something that we promised we would or we did start and we never finished, uh, let us know. You can do that by going to tofop.com and uh, using our contact menu. You can choose which podcast you want to get in contact with, but it all comes to me, so it's all right. And then while you're there, listen to some of our other great podcasts. Uh, You can catch yourself up on the end of the footy season. You can listen to folk. Fop. And then Will has some things to promote. Oh, yeah. I have a book. It's called I Am Not Fine. Thanks. And it is available now. So uh, order that. That would be great. And also, um, I have a television show. It's called Question Everything. And uh, new episodes of that on ABC TV and ABC iView. Check it out. Uh, and that is it for TOEFOP. Try not to have any panic attack. And just remember, if you do, just think of everyone in their underwear. That, that That's what works, right? Mm. No, thanks. That's the thing that would give me the panic attack. (laughs) I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. How long? Not long. Everyone relax. This podcast is a TOEFOP production. Head to TOEFOP.com for more. Cool things for cool people.